0: Living the life of faith, as we have seen in our biographical study of Abraham, is filled with choices and these resultant consequences that choices make. Not every decision has the same results or the same consequences, but all choices do have consequences. The one who lives the life of faith is one who constantly seeks the Lord's will in every area of life. There's no area of life that we do not need to know what God's will is. At every turn, we ask, what does God's word say about this? Does this please the Lord? That's the prevailing thought of every child of God, everyone who lives by faith. We quickly shun anything or any decision that is in direct opposition to God's word. And when we aren't sure, I'll give you my grandmother O'Neill's sound advice. When in doubt, don't. We walk by faith in God's Word, not by sight. The old hymn says, "...stand in His strength alone, the arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. Put on the gospel armor, each piece put on with prayer, where duty calls." danger be never wanting there or lacking. The verses here before us in Genesis 21 are heart wrenching. We've already studied Hagar and that debacle in Abraham and Sarah's life. The surrogate who bore a child for Abraham and Sarah. While legal in that day, it was clearly not the best choice. The results were jealousy and heartache, alienation and dissension. We can only imagine the rest. The Holy Spirit in his perfection has recorded that dark chapter in the lives of Sarah and Abraham and Hagar for our learning. Here at the time of Isaac's weaning, Ishmael is now a young man. The scripture here says a lad, but... Some commentators say he's as old as 17 years of age. He's a young guy, young adult, sensing being displaced. Isaac reacts. We've not heard much from Isaac until this point, but when Abraham shows what God has told him, that Isaac is going to be the child of promise, Ishmael acts out. In verse 9, Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian which was born to Abraham, the word there, mocking, means making fun of. It has the connotation of horseplay, of picking on, of laughing at, to scorn. And of course, the mother, Sarah, could not bear that. I'm sure she, her mind jumped to conclusions of where it could lead. And these were not two aged children at play, and she rightly feared that the tension of the situation would only worsen. Remember, God had already told Hagar back in chapter 16, verse 12, he will be a wild man. She told him that of her her, her infant son. God sees the whole at one time. We can only see this moment. God sees the end from the beginning and vice versa. And he said, he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man and every man's hand against him. Ishmael will live his life as a problem maker a dissenter, an instigator. And we see that even to this day of his descendants. Sarah demands that he leaves. There's trouble at the home of Abraham and Sarah. Abraham's heart is broken, but it is God who settles the matter. We can allow emotions and who's right and what's right. We can go on and on and back and forth. But at the end of the day, we must go by what God's word says in every matter. Can the church say amen there? We are on both sides here, aren't we? We have the liberty of seeing as the Holy Spirit sees this situation. But the people involved in this home at this moment have only their emotions, their pain and the situation before them. But God settles the matter for them and for us. Praise His name. When we're faced with difficult situations, so often as your pastor, you'll come to me and I'll say, let's ask the Lord to settle the matter so that we won't have to. And you know where we always go, don't you? We go directly to God's Word. It doesn't matter how I feel or what you think. And this is what the Lord says. What did He tell her in verse 12? God said unto Abraham... Let it be not grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy bondwoman. And all that Sarah has said unto thee, hearken unto her voice. For in Isaac shall thy seed be called. End of the matter. Now when God speaks, you have one or two choices. For the child of God, there is no choice, is it? When we have a problem, we say, what does the word of God say? Well, then there's, that settles the matter. And so it does here. We have one or two choices when God's Word speaks to an issue. We can go to the leaning of our own understanding, our emotions, or our flesh, or we can submit to even sometimes the painful requirement of God, trusting Him. Think of all the questions that Abraham had about the child's welfare and and Hagar and, and all of that, but... Parents, let me just say, especially when children leave the home, in those anxious times, this can be applied so many ways, and I've got much to accomplish here, but let me just say, leave them in the hands of God. God is a better parent than you could ever be. And here God says, let him go, let them go, I will take care of them. What a comfort that must have been to Abraham's heart. He felt guilt. He felt all the ramifications, all the realm of emotions that you could feel in a situation this way. And all he could do was listen and rest and obey the clear command of God for him. So we leave that there. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. What shall we say to these things if God for us Who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? What things? All things that we need for these kinds of situations, for any kind of situation. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? The devils in hell can line up and give all kinds of charges against us. It is God that justify it is God who clears from blame we studied that great doctrine in the membership class this morning and I don't know about you folks but I was on shouting ground cleared there's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus it is Christ that died yea rather that is risen again who is even at the right hand of God who maketh intercession for us now that's that that's the historical biographical part of the chapter before us and i'm going to leave it at that i want us to set that aside and study the spiritual and doctrinal truths here because the new testament is the commentary commentary on the old we do not have the luxury of just studying this as a biography or a history lesson and say oh that's that's nice or that's sad and move along because there is, as we saw in the scripture reading this morning, Hagar and Sarah and Ishmael and Isaac are brought to forth in the apostles teaching about salvation by grace through faith alone. And he draws from this very example, this very situation. And so whatsoever things were written aforetime, Romans fifteen four tells us, were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So we always look for the spiritual and the doctrinal wherever we're reading, especially when the Old Testament, when we read these stories. As I've already alluded to all throughout this study, choices have consequences. A spiritual law clearly taught in God's word is in Galatians 6 verse 7. There are laws that govern the universe and there are spiritual laws that are just as real Just as binding as the law of gravity. If I drop something to the floor, you know the law of gravity will require or tell us that it will fall. It won't float unless it's lighter than air. That's a law, isn't it? There are spiritual laws just as certain. Galatians 6 verse 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. The Holy Spirit here paints a vivid picture for us in glaring colors. The conflict that goes on between the flesh and the Spirit, between our old sinful nature and the new regenerated spiritual nature. And if a believer does not recognize this principle and operate in obedience to the command of God to continually put off the old man and say no to the old man and to put on the new man, just as we put on garments, the same terminology is used of putting off and putting on. The result will be disastrous even for a child of God. Ishmael, I need not tell you, but I will because I am teaching it this morning. Ishmael represents the flesh, doesn't he? our old, unregenerate, sinful nature. Isaac represents the miraculously born-again nature, the regenerated nature of a child of God. Nothing the flesh could do could produce Isaac. He was the gift of God, a miracle. The fact that there is a conflict, as we see here in this family, we recognize the warfare going on between the two natures. And when we recognize that conflict going on within us, it is a, a, a true sign of conversion because a person who is unsaved really doesn't have that conflict. They may have guilt, of, um, you know, twinges of guilt and when, when sin is found out. But the, the nature of a regenerated person is that there is a conflict, there is a frustration. It doesn't excuse it, but it's evidence that there's life when a person has been brought to the realization of sinning against the Lord. Romans 8, 5 describes it like this, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. A lost person, a sinful person, a person who has not been regenerated, lives totally in the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. "...because the carnal mind is in enmity with God, for it is not subject to the law of God, it cannot be brought under the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh, those who are lost, outside of Christ, cannot please God, no matter how religious, no matter how sacrificial, no matter how good and moral and kind they may be. An unregenerate person in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh." But in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you by His Spirit, the body, the old nature, not the living body, the old nature is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Jesus that raised up uh, Jesus from the dead shall dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also... Quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh. We owe the flesh nothing. The sinful nature should have no control over us whatsoever. While it is with us, ever present, we are dead to it, separated from it by the miraculous work of God in salvation. We're not debtors to the flesh to live after the flesh. If you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. There are two types here illustrated in this story in Genesis 21. There is a dispensational teaching as we read in the Scripture, as we read there in Galatians chapter 4. Those who are born after the flesh are the spiritual descendants of Hagar. So we're all spiritually descendants of Hagar in that way, in that realm, born after the flesh, trying to please God in our own efforts, trying to be saved through the impossibility of keeping the law, the perfection of the law, no no one for all is sinning, come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. Uh, some religious code that somebody comes up with and says that's salvation. The law speaks of God's covenant with Moses, a conditional covenant given to Moses on Mount Sinai in Arabia where Ishmael lived and centered his earthly Jerusalem. Those who have been saved by grace through his son Christ Jesus have his unconditional heavenly promises and they look for a new Jerusalem which will come day one down from God. There is a dispensational teaching then, but there's also a typical teaching, a type we see here. A type which we've already alluded to, but which we'll focus on for the rest of our time here. And that is the flesh versus the spirit. They are in opposition. Just as much as Ishmael hated Isaac and all that he represented, and that struggle there. We see here in the text in verse 9, when Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian which she had borne unto Abraham mocking. When Isaac was born the true nature of Ishmael was revealed. The Holy Spirit records nothing of him from that incident of his mother being cast out in the wilderness and her conversion there and God promising her he would take care of her he she said at that time the Lord said go back to Sarah put yourself under her authority and I will I will work out the rest and so that was the last we saw of Ishmael we've never seen anything out of the way of him in fact we see nothing of him at all until this incident and when we are, are born again by the Spirit of God, when we truly have been brought to a place of repentance and faith in Christ alone is salvation. When the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're indeed the child of God and we receive that new nature, that is when our old nature, the flesh, cranks up. That's when the battle begins. I fear that so many evangelists and preachers almost... Since make people believe that if you'll come to Jesus Christ in saving faith, it'll end the struggle with sin. Nothing could be further from the truth. It it brings sin to the forefront, and you see that terrible struggle that the Apostle Paul describes of a person who truly is born again in Romans chapter seven. The old nature, the flesh, comes out in the open and states his territory. I'm not letting this squirt here take over my... I'm the firstborn here. And that flesh reminds us that you can't be free. You can't be victorious over sin. I dominate. I run the show here. It's when the new nature comes in, the flesh shows its true self. There's no conflict of in spiritual things to a lost person. There may be guilt, guilt from parents, guilt from the church every once in a while, but no nothing that we're describing here of this this conflict between the flesh and the spirit. Abraham had two sons in his household. One was a product of will, an earthly fleshly effort. It was legal. The people around them would not have thought anything of it, but it was totally contrived and come up with between Sarah and Hagar and Abraham. The other was a miraculous gift, wasn't he? The gift of Isaac. After a long promise and her womb was dead and made alive in her old age, being able to conceive and bear a son. The result of of a divine power. So within the believer there are two natures which are Totally opposite and cannot ever be reconciled. It's where all of our problems come from. The old nature, the flesh dictating to us how to live life and conduct life. Totally opposition from God's word and God's ways. And the, the new nature that longs deep within to can be conformed to the image of Christ. We must, by God's instruction, put off the one and put on the other. There's an active effort made upon by the believer to obey in this area. And the, the effort is relentless. It never stops until you awake in His likeness. There will never be a time where you'll coast spiritually. There's no such thing. In the spiritual life, we're to grow from grace to grace and continue growing until we awake in His likeness perfected. We can slide back, can't we? The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. That backsliding is easy to do because the world, the flesh, and the devil are all pulling us downward. It's a downward slide, isn't it? Backsliding, like sliding down a hill if your brakes give out or if you've got slick tires and you stop at a red light on a hill or you're driving a straight shift. You know that, that, oh, I hope I don't hit the person behind me kind of feeling that that comes in your heart. So, but we are we are designed by the new nature to grow from grace to grace, from glory to glory, until we awaken the Lord's likeness. One thing that must be settled here, and I must hasten: the flesh cannot please God, no matter how you perfume it, no matter how you dress it up, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it says. True spirituality is not inherited, but. The sinful tendency towards sin is. We're all children of Hagar in that way. We do not inherit a spiritual DNA. You may have had wonderful godly parents, but they had to be born again to become that way, and so must you. God has no grandchildren. He only has children. We inherit a sinful, sin prone DNA so that we will live according to the flesh by nature and not after the Spirit Until a miracle takes place. Remember Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. It will take nothing short of a miracle. And so that's what regeneration does. Outward religious deeds and rites and activities cannot produce the new birth. It cannot produce salvation. Turning over a new leaf, getting a new set of beliefs, going to a new Bible study. None of those things is salvation. A year earlier, Ishmael had been circumcised, but physical surgery cannot change the inner man of the heart. What is needed is a surgery of the soul. For the word of God is quick, it's alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and of the, the joints and the marrow of the soul of the inner man doing surgery on that unseen inner man and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I remind us all here that Ishmael had been brought up in a godly home. He had seen Abraham at prayer, leading and guiding his family. Remember what the Lord said of Abraham, he will lead his family after me. Ishmael was, was there at the altar of sacrifice, at family worship, he no doubt witnessed the visitation of the Lord and the two angels when when they came to the tent door to warn Abraham they were about to destroy Sodom. He had heard holy conversation between his Sarah and Abraham and between the Lord and the angels, but in things that we can only imagine Ishmael was privy to but may I say here this morning to you, all of us growing up in a Christian home and listening to holy conversation and sermons like this and knowing spiritual teaching in itself does not change the heart. Even his mother believed in the one true God and trusted him. We've studied Hagar's salvation. Thou God seest me. She was converted in that desert and believed on the Lord. But none of that meant anything to Ishmael. He reminds us of Esau a man after the flesh the Holy Spirit calls him profane never did did not and never did have any desire toward the truth or holy things and instead of softening his heart it became what Proverbs calls he became a scorner and he mocked and made fun of the things of God and those who represented the things of God he rejected God's promised seed You see, Isaac, through Isaac, the Messiah would ultimately come. He mocked Christ. From beginning to end, the relationship with Hagar had been of the flesh. And nothing but hardship and heartache had come from it. Isaac represents the new nature, given by regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. Ishmael represents the old nature, mocking, warring against the work of God. The flesh profiteth nothing. Jesus declared in John six sixty "...it is the Spirit that quickeneth, that makes a lie, that regenerates. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are Spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should betray Him. And He said, "...therefore said I unto you, that no man can come unto Me, except it were given unto him of My Father." And from that time, many of his disciples went back and followed him and walked with him no more. The lost person must realize that he is indeed controlled by his old nature, his selfish, sinful nature, and cannot by human reformation be made new. And a renewed person, regenerated by the Spirit of God, must realize that this warfare going on within him is between the old in the new natures. Paul will go on to the Galatians and say, Walk, I say, in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the Spirit lusteth against the flesh, and the flesh against the Spirit. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things you would. But if you be led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The new birth isn't obtained by joining something or undergoing some religious right if that were the case ishmael would have been saved the new nature is not improving the old nature it is receiving a new nature of being born again the receiving of the new nature does not improve the old nature at all your old nature is just as wicked as the day it was you were born and will never be changed until you lay this flesh aside and wake in glory And so this antagonism that we see here between Ishmael and Isaac represents the struggle that's going on within all of us. The carnal mind, the fleshly mind, is at warfare with God. And Paul said it is not subject or in submission to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. It was the birth of Isaac that showed the truth about Ishmael. We may have never seen that had Isaac not been born. Nothing is told as we mentioned about Isaac before the birth of the child, but when Isaac is born, the warfare begins. Ishmael may have been very quiet and gentlemanly. He may have been a model young man until that day. It's not to say that he was just an out-and-out profane person, but he began to show his true colors. And as soon as the new birth took place, the older, untamable old nature fully comes out in the open and you new converts you must be aware of this you must know that this flesh this struggle between the flesh is not the absence of salvation in fact if there's great concern and struggle it shows it's a clear sign that there is salvation it isn't until we receive a new nature that we discover what our old nature is really like Because until we come to absolute confession and repentance before Christ, we have defended ourselves, haven't we? I'm just as good as the man next door. I don't do as bad as he does. We're constantly in defense of the old nature until we see Christ as the standard and we fall before him and say, I'm an unclean, unclean Lord, save me. It isn't until we're born again that we realize that in our flesh dwelleth no good thing. And what an humbling revelation this is. What is to be done? But Lamb, you've painted a, a gross picture here before us. What must be done? Well, at the beginning of the message, I told you there's only one thing to do about anything. Is that right? There's one thing to do about anything, and it's what God says in His Word. We must always discern what that is, the principle, the teaching, the truth, what it is. And here we know that God told to Abraham to cast out Ishmael. In his sovereign plan, he had a plan for Ishmael and he will make it good. And so the picture is for us. What are we to do with the old man, our old nature? What is the precedent here? We're to cast him out. Put him away. Ephesians 4, 21, If so be that ye have heard him, Christ, and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former way of life, the former manner of living, the old man which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And folks, the only thing that will renew your mind is this right here. If, you, if there's a failure, I'll show you. It's a failure of this book. If there's a failure in Chris Lamb's life, it's a failure of applying or, or, or feeding upon or obeying this truth. And that you put on the new man. I put on this, what I've got on today. I made a conscious effort. I reached for it. Be honest with you, it was the first one in the closet. That's what, that was the basis of my decision. Not a whole lot of science there. What's the cleanest, most, best, closest? And that's how I decided it. But I made a conscious effort. And you must put a, a conscious effort to put on, to feed, to submit to the new nature putting away lying, speaking truth to every man. Not, don't let your anger be, c- control you. Let, don't let the sun go down on your wrath in the context there. Don't give Satan one inch of territory. If you give him an inch, he'll take a hundred miles. You know that. He's never satisfied. Neither give place to the devil, the Scripture says. Make no provision for the flesh. And he goes on and on in that Ephesians chapter 4 to tell us what a spiritual life looks like. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed into the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you, and be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Is this easy? No. It is a war. It's a spiritual warfare. Put on the whole armor of God. This is all done in surrender, a daily, daily, moment by moment. And just because you surrender to the Lord this morning doesn't mean that the old nature will not try to take over the wheel of your life and drive the rest of the day. It begins when you receive Christ as Savior and this will continue to the moment that you are glorified and awake in His likeness. The songwriter said, I want a principle within of jealous, godly fear, a sensibility of sin, a pain to feel it near. I want the first approach to feel of pride or fond desire to catch the wandering of my will and quench the kindling fire. That I from thee no more may part, no more thy goodness grieve, the filial awe, the fleshly heart, the tender conscience give. Quick as the apple of thine eye, O oh God, my conscience make. Awake my soul when sin is nigh, and keep it still awake. If to the right or to the left I stray, that moment, Lord, reprove, and let me weep my life away for having grieved thy love. O oh, may the least omission pain my well instructed soul. And drive me to the blood again, which makes the wounded whole. We come this morning to the Lord's table, which is a reminder of the great work of Christ on the cross. Let us pray. Lord, we come. We do hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Lord, I have attempted to my ability to explain these things. Would you open them by your Spirit to the receiving heart? If there are any in our midst who have not been born again, we pray the Holy Spirit would show them their lost condition. And may they come to you just now receiving the gift of salvation. It is by faith, by grace that we saved through faith, it is the gift of God lest any man should boast. And Lord, I pray that you would take your word and do your work in every heart.